Man, that was a weekend uh, chock full of sports. We've got a ton to talk about. The Sooner basketball team, clutch win in Manhattan. They finally break that drought at Bramlage, get it done. Mo Gibson leading the way. I thought Marvin Johnson was great for Oklahoma as well. The Sooners still have some life. You had uh, Oklahoma State beating Texas Tech over the weekend. Coach K taken down by Brady Manick. In Durham on Saturday, Brady Manick was too much for Coach K. We'll hear from him. Uh, his postgame celebration. Uh, you also had, of course, the OU women's gymnastics team over the weekend taking down number one Michigan. Uh, you had the uh, Jazz beat Oklahoma City last night at NBA basketball. Poco, can, Poco continues to play well, though, as does uh, SGA. The uh, Thunder lost to the Timberwolves on Friday night, 138 to 101, when the uh, court sweepers got in the way, which was kind of funny. OU women upset by uh, Kansas. They'll turn around and play Kansas in the Big 12 tournament. The Sooner men will play Baylor in the Big 12 tournament on Thursday. As we all expected, Missouri won the uh, Big 12 Wrestling Championship, of course, right? The Big 12 Wrestling Championship was this weekend? Went to Missouri, yes. Missouri won. Oh. Back, I, back in the league for wrestling anyway. So, yeah, I'm like, wait, yeah, wait a minute, like, is that right? Missouri won? In like North Dakota State in the Big Twelve, for yeah, wrestling? they've got uh, they got a bunch of different Air Force, uh, at, but Missouri won. Oklahoma State's uh, nine year reign is over at least uh, in terms of the conference. Hey, Mike, combine my, over the weekend too. Give me my props here. You had no faith in the Sooner men going I, I into Bramlage Coliseum on Saturday. I, I don't, but I don't bet on streaks to end. But I guess I should have Saturday. That was clutch, man. They played well too. It was the Kruger curse. So it only makes sense that Lon was there, too. Lon was there? Yeah, they honored like the 70, 72, 73 team, something like that. Oh, wow, that's so cool. Lon was actually there to, to see it he happen. He got to watch the curse end. Yes, he did. Kind of a cool deal. I love Lon. Kruger. But no, you had faith. You had more faith than I did. Uh, combine over the weekend. Nick Benito looked great. Uh, we'll talk about the Sooners, where they stand after the Combine. Uh, also, the uh, Oklahoma baseball team, the lost weekend. Uh, it was a movie way back in the day, and it was a lost weekend for the Sooner baseball team, particularly Saturday and Sunday. Uh, a couple of Sooners did really well in uh, golf over the weekend at the Puerto Rico Open. Max McGreevy, second place in Puerto Rico. Christopher got her up. The amateur was seventh after he got the invite, played well. Scotty Scheffler took down uh, former Oklahoma State Cowboy Victor Hoblin down the stretch at the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. And, of course, though, the big thing is the big recruiting weekend. Parker, where, where are all the commitments? I haven't seen a commitment yet. Yeah, how about that? What's up? Ofer. What's up? Ofer on the weekend. Now, is this weekend that Oklahoma just had, you saw a lot of the prospects, including Richard Young, tweeting out photos, let my visit at Oklahoma, you saw a lot of that, but we haven't seen any commitments. But is this the kind of weekend we're talking about where you should expect a bunch of commitments? I, no, I don't think the expectation was ever that there were going to be a bunch. And... I think you would have been fortunate to get two once we found out that Dylan Edwards wasn't coming because, again, the expectation last week at this time was that Dylan Edwards was going to make the trip down to Oklahoma and commit. Obviously, that didn't happen. He ended up going to Arkansas instead, and now everything is back up in the air in his recruitment. But, I don't know, you just kind of figured that on a weekend like this, Oklahoma would have at least one guy that was – a thousand percent sold on the Oklahoma experience and decided to commit. So I kind of figured there would be at least one, 
But then again, I also understand why there weren't any, Mike, because it is March. And the reality is the MO for Brent Venables and this Oklahoma staff is once you commit, you're not visiting anywhere else. You're not. You are done. You are 1,000% committed to the University of Oklahoma, and you're going to demonstrate that in your actions and or inactions, as the case may be. So I understand at this point in time why maybe the prospects that were on campus this weekend had a hesitance to commit because they wanted to get the chance to take their officials, see campuses across the country, and just generally take greater stock of their recruitment as a whole. So, again, I kind of figured that out of 30-something guys that were on the visit on Saturday, at least one would have popped, but I also understand that there was as good a chance that they weren't going to get any commitments as there was a chance that they were going to get multiple. Yeah, do you do you like that approach that they're taking? Uh, that, you know, once you commit here, that's it? You're done. I do. Because is that dangerous, or is that a a, a good philosophy no, to have? Because think, you know, you're to, that that person or that prospect is totally bought in. Exactly. Well, and it's not as it's not the type of thing where, I, and here's the connotation that I think a lot of people have in their minds is kid tries to commit to Oklahoma, says he still wants to take visits. Brent Venables says no. You're either not taking any more visits or you're not committing. Kid decides, okay, I don't want to commit right now. Brent Venables says, okay, well, we're done recruiting you. That's not the case. And so there will be circumstances in the years to come where a kid tries to commit. OU doesn't take him because he wants to take additional visits. And at the end of all those visits, he loops back around and commits to Oklahoma, and that's the end of the process for him. And so it's not as if Oklahoma is going to miss out on talent by not accepting commitments from guys who would like to go visit additional schools. It's just the type of thing where you want the commitment to be the end of the recruiting process. Right. And it minimizes decommitments in a big way because if you look That's at... That's what I was about to say. If you look at Clemson in the years that Brent Venables was there, when I tell you decommitments were few and far between for Clemson, I mean, they were few and very far between. But if you want to look good on paper right now, Parker, man, you want to be really high in the recruiting rankings. Now, you may have five guys who decide to go somewhere else later. So, yes, I kind of like this approach. Well, I not kind of. I really like it because, again, as you said, if a guy commits to you and wants to still take other visits, is he really committed to you? Not really. I mean, sort of. He's not 100% in, Right. Uh, so I, I do like this approach. How do you think Richard Young's visit went? And you, you were saying Richard Young, probably a little bit of a long shot for Oklahoma, but this is his second time to Norman, right? It is, and from everything I know, the visit went well. I haven't received any indication that would suggest the visit was just mediocre or didn't go well at all. No, Oklahoma made a strong impression. Again, I am still skeptical. I am probably for several months into the future, I'm going to be in I-need-to-see-it-to-believe-it type of territory with Richard Young. Just because pulling a five-star running back out of the state of Florida, Mike, is astronomically easier said than done. And for a guy like Richard Young, who is going to make the most of the recruiting process and is going to take all his visits, make no mistake about that, 
there are going to be at least five or six other programs that have a chance to shut down the momentum, the early momentum that Oklahoma has accrued in the race for Richard Young. So if they get if they get him back on campus for an official, at that point, that's probably when I will start to take Oklahoma seriously as a contender for Richard Young. But I am approaching this with a healthy sense of skepticism and guarding my emotional investment in that recruitment just because I think when you're talking about a five-star from anywhere across the country, particularly a five-star from the state of Florida that plays the running back position, the odds are not in your favor, at least on paper. Yeah, you know, all I have to tell him, man, you can be the next Travis Etienne, right? Uh, you can be who was the uh, who was the other running back who played against the Sooners in the playoff? Uh, Wayne uh, Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman, yeah, Wayne Gallman was a pretty good player uh, back on that Deshaun Watson team back in the day. So, all right, uh, so we'll see. Do you think there is anybody, in your opinion, that could be close to committing that you saw maybe something that led you to believe? All right, this kid looks like maybe he's close. Yeah, some guys I would be watching in the aftermath of that visit is, uh, well, let's start with Samaje Burrell, the three-star linebacker out of the state of Texas. And we knew going into that visit that Oklahoma was already the school that was in, I don't know, I don't necessarily know if you would say they were in the driver's seat for Burrell, but they had a leg up on some other top competitors. And again, from what I know, from what I've heard regarding that visit, Burrell was impressed, made the trip up to Oklahoma State on Sunday, then headed back home Sunday evening. So uh, made the rounds in Oklahoma, but the Sooner experience really stood out there. That's a guy that I would watch going forward. Uh, I would also keep an eye on four-star edge rusher Darion Gallette out of Marlin, Texas. That's another guy that was very, very impressed with what he saw at the University of Oklahoma. I'll throw a couple more names out there. I was really, I was really kind of surprised to find out that Wilkin Formby, the four-star offensive lineman out of the state of Alabama, really took to the environment at Oklahoma and was super impressed to meet Creed Humphrey. I saw that. Yeah. I think by some by some bizarre coincidence, Wilkin Formby happens to be a really big Kansas City Chiefs fan. Ah, uh, there so, you go. There's an in right there. Exactly. There's so an in. Creed Humphrey doing the Lord's work for the Sooners on the recruiting trail. <laughs> um and then PJ Adebowore, a guy that I've been talking about for weeks, is somebody that uh, I think would fit very well at the campus of the University of Oklahoma and just really fits the uh, the dynamic, fits the attitude of what the Sooners are looking to assemble in that locker room. And from what I have been told about his visit, Oklahoma made a really, really strong impression and is now arguably in the driver's seat, if they weren't already. And as I'd mentioned before, Adebowore was a guy – uh, that I'd been told months before Oklahoma was even in on him uh, that if the Sooners got involved, they were going to be tough to beat. All right, so we'll see what's going to happen. Uh, again, I don't think any Oklahoma fan should be pushing the panic button. I know that you and Tyler on locked in set the over and under at 2.5, and, and it's way under right now. It's at zero, but uh, with that philosophy that Oklahoma's employing, it doesn't totally shock me uh, once you bring up the fact that if these kids are going to commit, they don't want them to take other visits. They want them to be committed. So I think, again, what you, you may see Oklahoma fans is a lot of schools ahead of Oklahoma in the initial recruiting rankings. And then the Sooners, you know, with a, like a like a miler with a very strong kick coming on 
down the stretch. Would you describe it that way? <laughs> I don't. I don't even know if I would describe it that like. Uh, to me, honestly, I, I'm trying to think of all the uh, the track events that they run in the Olympics. Think of it as the 10,000 meters, because that's what the recruiting process is. That's what a recruiting cycle is. It's the 10,000 meters. Right now, a school like Texas Tech, that I believe is number two right now in our 24-7 sports team recruiting rankings, they are the runner that literally sprints yeah. for the first 400 meters, mm-hmm. gets out to an astronomical lead, and then runs out of breath. Then they run out of gas. It's, yeah. it's unsustainable. I used you to would... do that in the 440 all the time. All the time. And really? I'm thinking, that here's my one shining moment. And then, like, five guys pass me with about, you know, 50 yards left. That was a long time ago, though. A the... long time ago. Yeah, but the, po- the point is, you would much rather finish strong you would much rather have an outstanding last 400 meters than an outstanding first 400 meters in the recruiting world, if we're going to continue with that analogy. All the, they don't give out the awards for who's leading at recruiting, you know, two, two months before signing day, right? Now, I will Until say— Until the class is finished. I will say you would rather have— a better 400 meters to open the race than you would 400 random meters in the middle of the race. That's about mm-hmm. the worst position you can be in because the two strongest impressions you can make in the recruiting world as a school, as a program, uh, as a coach are the first impression and the last impression. So I will say this, even though Oklahoma did not get any commitments this past weekend, they made a really, really strong first impression on many of these guys. And it means something that these 30 or however many players there were, this group of players, it means something that out of the dead period, their first stop was the University of Oklahoma. Yeah. That's something to be encouraged about I agree at with the that. very least. All right, we are underway. Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems are sponsoring our first hour. Appreciate Tim Lasher and the good folks at Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They'll do a great job for you because they've done a great job for us at our place a couple times. They are tremendous. Family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area since 2007. You can ring them up at 405 579 Five seven nine thirty one thirteen. We're off to a good start. Yeah, Steely, you suck. Sooner Magic is undefeated. That's the first text of the day. I, I see. You see what you've done? You've turned the people against me. Yeah, you'll win them back. Maybe you they, always. Maybe do. they turned a long time ago. I don't know. I don't know. My Q rating's not very high. It doesn't look like. All right, stay with us. We'll come back. We'll talk about OU players at the combine when we get back. Welcome back. Hope you had a great weekend. It is a Monday edition. Steel Man and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Good win. Great win. Maybe a season-saving win for the Oklahoma Sooners Saturday, 78-71. They still have some life, some life left for the NCAA tournament. We'll get into that in the next segment. But I want to talk about OU players at the Combine over the weekend. And it was a extremely good weekend for one Nick Benito. Parker, we kind of expected that, that he would impress, oh and he ran a four-five-four. And of the Sooner prospects, uh, where you see grades after the uh, combine, what I saw based on the NFL evaluation on uh, on their side of the combine side, Benito one, Isaiah Thomas now two, Perion Winfrey three. But let's start with Nick Benito, six-three, two-fifty, running a four-five-four, and uh, that's pretty darn good. He did himself well. Nick Benito just made himself some money, Mike. And you remember last week when I told you that dude's going to run something in the neighborhood of a 4-5? 
And there you go. At four four five four. Mike, there are wide receivers and running backs that don't run a four five four at the NFL combine. Yeah. So the fact that Nick Benito is doing that as a two hundred and fifty pound rush linebacker, pretty dang impressive. And to me, I think that alleviates any concerns about what he's going to be at the next level. I'm not really sure where those concerns originate because I'm a firm believer that you flip on the tape, it tells you more about a player than the measurements and the measurables are going to tell you. And Nick Benito has outstanding tape. He's been an impactful player, one of the most effective pass rushers in the country over the past two seasons at the, at the University of Oklahoma. But there were some concerns about his size. It's good to see that he was in the neighborhood of 250 pounds. Yeah, two, 248, he, I think, was the official. He carried a playing weight of somewhere between 230 and 235, generally, at Oklahoma. So he's bulked up, he's put on muscle, and he hasn't lost any of that speed or quickness that makes him so valuable off the edge. I think Nick Benito is a top 40 draft pick. I don't know, I don't know if I would sit here and say he's going to be first-round material, I think he's one of those guys where he's kind of in the twilight zone, depending on how the first 20 picks unfold, because so much of the NFL draft, especially early, is a chain reaction. Teams that have to alter their strategies or react to the trades that get made above them, what the teams drafting in front of them do with their selections, and so... I think both Perrion Winfrey and Nick Benito are guys that just as easily could come off the board within the top 20 picks as they could last into the early to mid-second round. So Maybe realistic for him at this point, and you're right, you never know. He could be a late first-round guy. He could go in the in the 25-32 range in that. But he also, I would say, probably one of the top 10 picks in round two. I I would almost guarantee If I had to that. guess, right? I would almost guarantee it. Uh, DTY ran the best 40, 4.47. Uh, Delarin Turner, yell. Uh, Benito was at 4.54. Kennedy Brooks, a 4.59. So Nick Benito is faster than Kennedy Brooks. Think about that. Yes. Uh, then you had uh, Asamoah ran 4.56. Uh, other guys, Perry on Winfrey, 4.89, which is not bad for a defensive lineman, Over obviously. 308 kind of, pounds. Yeah, and then he kind of uh, pulled up uh, a lane, maybe had a hamstring issue on the second one. Uh, Mike Woods, 4.55. Asamoah, 4.56. Jeremiah Hall, 4.96. Uh, Marquise Hayes, 5.3. And uh, Tyrese Robinson, 5.2. But well, who cares about the kickers? Isaiah Thomas. Uh, was at a four seven. So, Perry on Winfrey though. Again, I think uh, still he's he's in good shape to be drafted somewhere in the second round. Maybe it looks like right now he dominated the Senior Bowl, made a name for himself, opened up a lot of opened a lot of eyes uh, in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. He was fantastic, and uh, in his combine press conference, uh, Perry on Winfrey sounded pretty darn confident about his ability. In the most humblest way possible, I feel like I'm one of the best defensive linemen in this draft. And I say that because I, I know that I could dominate any man in front of me, and I know that I'm one of the smartest defensive linemen in this draft. Along with that, I know that I could play a multitude of positions and do a multitude of things for a team that uh, allows me to do that for them. I, I demand greatness out of everybody around me. I don't, I don't want to be around somebody who doesn't want to be great. I don't want to be around... Um, a, a bunch of people who just are okay with mediocrity. I like being around a bunch of dogs and a bunch of people that want to be chased greatness every day. There you go. Perion Winfrey. Again, uh, maybe a second-round selection it's looking like right now. How about the Baylor guys, man? They, they get these track guys, and they put them out there. Speed D was really uh, – Baylor had some guys that were running, man. And if you 
doubted Georgia's talent. Why would you? They just won the national championship. You saw how freakish those D linemen were in the DNs. Jordan Davis oh my to gosh. do what he did at 347 <laughs> pounds. Crazy. Oh my goodness. There's no way there's no way that man isn't selected in the top 10. You would think, man, after that, that was impressive, very impressive. So, um we'll see. I thought uh, Malcolm Rodriguez did pretty well for the Cowboys. Jalen Warren was there too. Rodriguez ran a 452, uh, Jalen Warren a 455. So, uh, in terms of prospects coming out of the ca- combine, basically what I'm seeing when you look at the collective, uh, you know, drafts out there and ratings, and they give these guys like Nick Benito get a 6.33, Isaiah Thomas was a 6.22, Winfrey was a 6.1 something, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez got a 6.20 grade, I think it was. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see what's going to happen. But uh, I think Oklahoma fans, when you see that the Sooners we're tied with Alabama and a second only to Georgia in prospects at the Combine. Again, they're going to have a bitter taste about this past season being an underachieving season. Because, again, the talent was there. I'm not saying it was the greatest talent ever at the University of Oklahoma. There have been a lot more talented teams than this one. But this team still uh, underachieved based on the talent. And having Delarian Turner yell out for an extended period of time, I don't think helped that defense. But look, you chalk it up to coaching, and we're going to continue to chalk it up to coaching for years to come because of what we know and because of what we think we know about what was going on behind the scenes. But you're exactly right, Mike. And we're going to, I, th- I think once these guys get the chance to play NFL football for a season, this conversation is going to be, it's going to reappear on this show with some renewed vigor because. There is absolutely no question that Oklahoma in the year 2021 had the talent on defense to win the Big 12 championship and waltz into the college football playoff potentially with an unscathed record. And the fact that they didn't, yeah, that's going to that's gonna hurt and that's going to sting for a while, particularly I think once you get the opportunity to see what Perrion Winfrey and Nick Benito and Isaiah Thomas and Brian Asamoah and Delarian Turner-Yell are all going to do at the next level. Yeah, it's going to be uh, fascinating to see it play out. And, again, I thought for the most part uh, pretty much all the Sooners did pretty well. Jeremiah Hall, you know, you don't expect Jeremiah Hall to run a 4-5 and 4-9-6, but he's a guy that could help you in, in that role maybe and uh, be a special teams kind of guy. He's he's the kind of guy that just makes some football plays for you. Who, who would have guessed that Perrion Winfrey was going to run a faster 40 than Jeremiah Hall? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of bizarre. The only guys who were uh, slower than uh, Jeremiah Hall were uh, the offensive line, Marquise right? Hayes and Tyrese Robinson, and they weren't too far behind. Gabe Burkett didn't run. I would like to see the kickers Gabe run. Didn't run. I didn't see a forty time for Gabe Burkett. No. What the, are we doing? The kickers probably. I mean, Gabe Bur- Burkett versus Rich Eisen would have been fun. I would have watched that. I think Gabe probably would have won that. I would think so. Unless there was Gabe. a unless there was a burrito involved somewhere, and oh then you, you, that was the burrito curse. <laughs> Gabe's Gabe's a he, he's a former soccer guy, so I would imagine he can run a little bit. That's another thing about the past season that was super bizarre. Was who would have thought we would have had the curse of the burrito affecting one of the best kickers in college football Which, too? And people don't like to think about that. People don't like to re- remember how big of an impact it had in that loss to Baylor. But Gabe Burkett missed two field goals in yeah. that game. Absolutely. Two field goals that could have loomed large at the end of the game when you looked at the scoreboard. 
All right, uh, Big 12 tournament is looming large for the Sooners. They will play uh, the two-seed Baylor Bears, a team playing some really good basketball Thursday, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. Oklahoma has to win that game. Maybe they have to beat Tech or Iowa State in the next game if they can get by Baylor, which is going to be a very tough task. Remember the Sooners, they played very well in Waco, not so much back in Norman, but Oklahoma still has some life. We'll hear from Porter Moser when we get back. All right, there's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. And ladies. Who's that? Marty Schottenheimer, NFL Films, I believe. Sooners still alive, but barely, but at least they are alive. Had they lost in Manhattan on Saturday, it would have been done. It would have been over. But Mo Gibson had other ideas. Knocked down seven threes for OU. 29 points. 14 for Tanner Groves. You cannot underestimate the impact that Marvin Johnson had also. Four or six from the field, eight points, seven rebounds. Man, he has helped them a Marvin lot. Marvin Johnson coming on strong, yeah, man. Yeah, he is, man. He has done really good work for OU in some of these wins. And uh, good for him, kid from Ardmore who came in from Eastern Illinois. I, I thought holding a Nigel Pack to 10 points was huge in the game. Sooners win 78-71. Let's hear from Porter Moser with Toby afterwards. Uh, obviously very pleased with the W. Absolutely. The, the resilience of this group to um, keep fighting like, like we are. And um, just to come in here, I know um, it was it was noted to them they had won here in like nine years, and we really didn't think about that. That wasn't our motivation. Our motivation was to keep stacking wins and playing better. And that man, did they fight! And um, you know, to, to to look back when we had those back-to-back road games and then we didn't play well, and to come home and everyone's asking how's the locker room, and everybody's yeah. asking me that. I'm like, man, we're we're fighting. There's no way there's going to be anything but positive energy in that locker room. I'm not going to let it. And the way these guys have responded to, to get Oklahoma State and West Virginia, who won today against Texas Tech and TCU, and to come here where it's very hard to play on their senior night, we're in a must-win win for us, and to gut this thing out, uh, just so many toughness plays and good plays that we can refer to. There you go, no doubt. And what I like, Parker, in uh, this stretch of wins by Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma State came back, took the game to overtime. Sooners made clutch plays to win that game. They made clutch plays when West Virginia uh, was trying to fight back and get the win in Norm. It didn't happen. The Sooners uh, were able to play and execute down the stretch, and that's what they did in Manhattan Saturday. They're playing some pretty good basketball right now. Unfortunately, they got behind the eight ball, playing in a very tough conference, and there are just a few games you look at, man, if they win a couple of these. The Butler game, the Utah State game, right? TCU. TCU. In Fort Worth. KU. Texas at home. I mean, one more of those, particularly one more of the uh, Big 12 games, and you're looking at a totally different situation. All right, so there's a debate out there. A lot of people still think, well, Oklahoma needs to win, too. I mean, if you beat Baylor – you think about it, it was another quad one win on Saturday. Uh, and if you beat Baylor as well as they're playing right now, look, I, I truly believe that Oklahoma's an NCAA tournament quality team the way they're playing right now. I'm not saying they're going to go make a run, but they deserve to be in the tournament. Unfortunately, unless they win this game uh, on Thursday against Baylor and maybe another one, they're not going to be there. T- to me, this is your playing game right here against Baylor. That's on what Thursday. I think. If you it be, is your playing game. If you beat if Baylor, you, win, you should be in. If you win, you are in. If you lose, you're probably out. A lot depends on what happens in the conference tournaments, of course. Uh, Loyola's there, by the way. Loyola? Loyola's there already, of course. 
Were that like locked up, like they're in the yeah, tournament? Yeah, they won the conference tournament. Oh so. wow, the conference tournament's already over. Yeah, huh? they're, they're already in. So wow, uh, we'll see what's going to happen. But uh, you know, Baylor, man, despite the injuries that they've had, they've still um, Scott Drew winning League Coach of the Year. Though, what do you think? I mean, he deserves it. <laughs> what about Mark like, Davis? He, look, the reality is, and I understand Texas Tech had a good season, but. It's not as if Mark Adams was or Mark operating. Adams. Yeah, I'm sorry. it's not as My if bad. Mark Adams was operating with an empty cupboard, right? Chris Beard left a lot of talent back there in Texas Tech, and you bring in a guy like Kevin O'Banner, an impact player via the transfer portal, you're going to be a successful basketball team. But to me, like, I I don't know if it's like, I I don't know how you properly contextualize what Scott Drew has accomplished at Baylor. Over the last two decades, yeah, they were up, I think, thirty to four against Iowa State at one point in that game. They won seventy five sixty eight. Maybe uh, Mark Adams lost that game in still or lost that award in Stillwater over the weekend when they lost Oklahoma State. He may have, but at the end of the day, and I get I'm going big picture here, but man, when I tell you the Baylor basketball program was in shambles when Scott Drew took over. I mean, we use the term in shambles a lot to refer to a downtrodden program. Baylor's situation at that time puts any comparable situation to shame. It was really, it was rock bottom. If there was ever a rock bottom, it was there. It was kind of like, it wasn't quite SMU football, but it was pretty close. I mean, it was it was a horrid situation and a terrible story. Well, it wasn't a story. It was real life what happened there. Uh, but yeah, and Scott Drew has done a, a fantastic job again. They're twenty six and five, tied with Kansas uh, for the regular season. KU gets the top seed based on uh, you know the tiebreakers. But uh, the Sooners and Baylor again in the first round in Kansas City coming up at six o'clock. ESPN two, second seeded Baylor, seventh seeded Oklahoma. Uh, I would say that Porter Moser right now feels like his Sooners are actually playing pretty well down the stretch. I can think of my mentor Rick Majerus talking about it. You want to be playing better and better and better by by February and March, and it's been a process with this new group, you know, but. I told him, I said, gosh, I watched, I told him this uh, yesterday, I go, watching the, the first Kansas State game two months ago and watching the way we are now, we've come a long way, man. We've come a long way. Keeps Keep getting better. Keep shrinking that gap. And uh, that's been a big philosophy of mine to keep getting better. And um, we're, we're, we've we won three close ones yeah. against very, very good teams. Um, and we need to. There you go. Porter with T-Row on Saturday following the Sooners win 78-71 in Manhattan against Kansas State. By the way, it's a big month, obviously. We've got all this great college basketball, and you know what you need to do is get out to Riverwind Casino and celebrate by winning a share of $80,000 in courtside cash. That promotion runs through March 25th, and get out there and play with your wild card today. You have uh, today and then tomorrow until midnight, so Monday and Tuesday, get some points, earn some points in your wild card. Earn five times the entries for the drawing on Friday night when they're giving away all that cash and bonus play. And uh, they not only award potentially 33 different winners, they call out 33 names between uh, 6 and 11.30 on Friday night. They also give out two grand prize winning packages uh, just before midnight on Friday night. So get on out there to Riverwind, take part in the $80,000 courtside cash promotion, and win your share of that money. Go get the money out at Riverwind. It's there. It's waiting for you. All you have to do is go play. 
uh, and see our friends at Riverwind Casino with another great promotion, the $80,000 courtside cash promotion. And again, play with your wild card today and tomorrow through midnight to get the extra entries for the drawing on Friday. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. All right, we're going to the text line, the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, when we get back, let's take a quick break right here and we'll get all the texts in when we return. All right, got a lot more. Coach K taken down by Brady Manick, who becomes one of the big heels in college basketball, but in a good way. Not a heel in a bad way. He is a historic heel now in terms of Tar Heels for what he did at Cameron Indoor Stadium. We'll hear from – and by the way, Coach K, kind of cringy afterwards. We'll get to that more next. Okay, we are back here on a Monday. Appreciate everybody dropping in today. Thank you so much for being with us. First hour brought to you by our friends at Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They'll do a great job for you. They've done a great job uh, for us over at our place a couple times. Give them a call if you need uh, to repair, replace, or maintain your air conditioning system. Give them a call at 405-579-3113. By the way, keep in mind, we have the big 68-team giveaway happening. It'll be happening uh, next Monday, one week from today, noon to 7 p.m. at the Buffalo Wild Wings on the I-35 Service Road and more. Uh, all of this presented by the Central Oklahoma uh, Central Oklahoma GMC dealers. Prizes coming from JR's Barbecue Supply Company, Extreme Outdoor Equipment, Buffalo Wild Wings, and many more. We've got Yeti cups, hotel packages, concert tickets, signed books, and spotter boards from T Row. Instant cash winners, gift certificates for shopping and dining, rounds of golf, water park passes, free t shirt t shirts, not t shorts, t shirts. Uh, and a lot more happening at our 68-team giveaway next Monday, noon to 7, Buffalo Wild Wings on the I-35 service road in Moore. All right, Air Comfort Solutions tax line. Let's head there, Parker. One listener asks, do you guys know if name, image, and likeness was discussed over the weekend with the players that came in? Yes, I know it was, and I also know it wasn't a cornerstone of the presentation to these players. It's not the type of thing where... This Oklahoma staff is going to shove NIL down your throat, and it's going to be a constant topic of conversation throughout the visit, and it's going to be come to Oklahoma, make money, come to Oklahoma, make money, come to Oklahoma, make money. That's not what it's about. That's not what this staff is about. Yes, they understand that they're going to have to play the game. In today's day and age, as college football continues to evolve, and with the new regulations that are in place that allow student-athletes to profit off their names, images, and likenesses, Yes, Oklahoma is going to have to play the game. They're going to have to get involved in the sense that they're going to have to open up opportunities and show opportunities for their prospective student-athletes to generate revenue in that capacity. But what do we know from the sole mission, the construction of that program, everything that Brent Venables and his staff have said in the public eye, they're about development beyond the football field. And so I would imagine you would hear this exact same sentiment echoed by Brent Venables, but the Oklahoma staff, I would guess, feels as though if they're strictly focusing on getting revenue in your pocket while you're a college student, then they're doing you a disservice because they're not adequately setting you up for the rest of your life post-football. And one of the things that Joe John Finley said last week when he met with the media was, look, every single guy in that locker room thinks he's going to be an NFL player one day. They're not. Some of them will be. 
But the vast majority of players in that locker room are never going to sniff football at the professional level. And they've got a whole life ahead of them. And that's the reason why Oklahoma has developed the Soul program. That's the reason why they have the likes of Josh Norman and Curtis Lofton and Caleb Kelly and Ryan Young heading it up. Is because NIL is about the short term. And there's value in that. Again, I'm not saying Oklahoma is going to completely ignore the NIL conversation because they're not. Yeah, you just But can't. what they are going to make the foundation of their recruiting pitch in terms of revenue generation and in terms of opportunity for wealth is we're going to set you up such that once you leave here, you're going to have a career opportunity at your disposal and you're going to have the skills necessary to set you up for financial freedom and thriving for 40 years instead of four. Well, what has Brent said uh, a lot, right? And I think I'm getting this right. When it comes to these uh, dealings with recruits or his players, he wants them to be relational, not transactional. And what does that mean? Long-term relationship, man. Long-term relationship. Uh, and thinking about things outside of football, uh, building uh, you know better people, too. These kids, uh, teaching them. Uh, some valuable lessons, and I think sports already does that. But transactional is the NIL. Transaction is transactional is how did I get to the NFL? And Bingo. look, you are going to get a bunch of recruits. I mean, when you've got a Richard Young coming in, I I don't know what the, you know, the Richard Young meeting was all about. I don't know if he was wanting to talk NIL, but you certainly have to talk about it. And um, you know, I I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see. How those programs do that take more of that transactional approach. I, I kind of get the feeling Muleshoe's going to do that. Uh, I, <laughs> not kind of. I do get the feeling that Muleshoe's going to do that. I mean, all you have to do is look at the uh, the players with the uh, luxury automobiles, Man, which I thought was almost obscene. made in a full hour without name dropping. Well, Muleshoe. I had to, almost. but I don't know. Look, may, maybe I'm old. Maybe I, I know I'm not cool, and I know I'm, I'm getting very old. But when I saw that, and, and I understand people are going to come back and say, that's what the kids want to see these days, Steely. I get it. But to me, that almost looked, looked obscene last year. All those pictures. I don't know. I can't ever see Brent Venables doing that. Look, they've got the throne and everything. They've, they've got some things they're doing with OU. You know, the, the players you see sitting down, and uh, they're trying to jazz it up as much as they can. But I just don't think Brent wants to go that route. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Well, and I don't know if it was intended to be this way. I don't know if this was its intended purpose. But I think one of the byproducts of the sole mission is that Oklahoma now has a very holistic rejoinder to the very immediate satisfaction, short-term, money-grab nature of the NIL conversation. With with the sole program in place and the leadership of guys like Curtis Lofton and Caleb Kelly and all of the career development services that are available to students and the professional network that they're going to have the chance to build, again, while other schools are going to say, come here, you'll make NIL money for the three, four, five years that you're here. A&M. I wasn't going to say it, Mike, but since you did, what Oklahoma can now do is say, come here, sure, you'll get an NIL revenue because we have an ardent fan base that is going to help you establish a social media following, interact with your brand, help you grow in that capacity. But 
we also can set you up for success far beyond what these other programs that are recruiting you can mm-hmm. because we have soul and because we can serve you and cater to you and help you long after your playing career at the University of Oklahoma is over. And it seems to me, in a way, Oklahoma's playing the long game with this, right? Uh-huh. And it's not a short-term deal. And look, we don't know how it's going to turn out, people. I mean, we don't. I, I like Brent's approach. I like what I hear from all those assistant coaches. I love their their faith. I love their commitment. I love them saying they want to create better human beings, too, not just coach uh, coaching to be better football players. I think that's a long game. And again, where you hear that phrase again, relational, not transactional. But who knows? I, you know, there are a lot of kids out there that want that money and they want that limelight. And uh, we don't know what will win out in the long term. But Oklahoma, I, I do think uh, they, uh, they're they going to continue with this approach. I mean, it's Brent's not a guy that uh, doesn't seem to be, you know, what's what's everybody think we should be doing right now? He's not that kind of person. No. He's, he's going to tell you what we should be doing He's right got now. a rock-solid foundation of what he believes in and how he's going to go about his business, and that's what they're going to do. And I'd say it worked pretty well for Dabo and that staff at Clemson. Like I said, they completely changed their reputation. I know Clemson won that 1980 national championship, but – Ever since then, they had been known as a well, Clemson, man. They're Clemsoning again. They're underachieving. That all changed when Dabo and that staff got there. They became one of the rock-solid programs in college football. We'll see if Brent can get it done here at Oklahoma. I'd say the vehicle's pretty good to try and make that drive, you know, to win a national championship. All right, we've got another hour to go. Keep it here on The Wrap. Thank you, Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. We appreciate you. Another hour to go. This just in, ladies and gentlemen, the Baker Mayfield statue dedication and the spring game. The announcement has been made by Sooner Football. Put it in your calendar right now. April 23rd, the spring game and the Baker Mayfield statue dedication. How about that? There you go. What is the Baker statue going to look like? Have we seen it? If it's not him planting the flag, I don't want it. What about uh, the crotch-grabbing incident in Lawrence, Kansas? Okay, that's probably a little too risque, yeah, Mike. Probably. There are going to be kids there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you probably don't want that. But no, like, that's what everyone has been clamoring for since the second he won the Heisman. I would think there's When a that ch- statue goes up, it needs to be the flag plan. I, I would think there's a good chance that'll be it. What do you bet? What do you bet? So, uh, April 23rd, it's good. Brent is doing things right, man. You don't, you know, he has is, he is separated the spring game from the Masters. You don't want to have the spring game on Augusta weekend. Now, I know to Oklahoma fans that doesn't mean anything, but to some of us in the media, like myself, Eddie Radosevich, it means a lot. You don't want the spring game conflicting with Augusta. After all, Berkman's members, Berkman's place, only where the VIPs go. And we got very lucky. Very lucky. So, anyway, uh, that's going to be a cool deal. And like I said, we talked about this, um, Parker, on Friday, that this really, it, last week, I think it was Thursday and Friday, this is the most anticipated spring of Sooner football in a long time. That it is. 
because people want to see what's going on. Uh, you know, we've heard from Brent Venables. We've heard from the assistant coaches, the coordinators. We've uh, kind of seen what they're about. Now they want to see what's going to take place out on the field. They want to see something because uh, they were hit in the head by a two-by-four, by a liar, uh, on that Sunday, Bloody Sunday. And ever since then, things, they've been a little bit woozy. They finally got their vision back, and they want to see some spring football. So, uh, this is going to be big. It's going to be really big. So, uh, are you willing to go, what, 90% that it's the, the flag planning deal? I, mm, I don't know if I would go that high. 60? I mean, you're the guy that's on fire right now. I'm the guy that said K-State was going to win over the weekend. That's true. So, you know what? Yeah, yeah, 90%. We'll roll with it. Okay. 90% it's the flag plan. So anyway. I'm 100% confident that Oklahoma will win the spring game, however. And then what is Kyler's uh, statue going to look like? That's a good question. Because that's you That's a have, lot less clear. I know. You have – you have. it's pretty clear with Baker. That's – that's. you're right. The one thing that stands out, you know, Ohio State fans won't be very happy with it, but who cares? Kyler didn't, I mean, come on, Kyler didn't gonna, have that thing that's, like, synonymous with him. He didn't have that moment. Did he? He had a lot of outstanding moments, but none like Baker Mayfield's flag plant where you think about Kyler Murray at the University of Oklahoma and that moment instantly pops into your head. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, somebody's – what? How about Baker running from the Fayetteville police? No, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, that's no. uh, probably a no-go. <laughs> don't think that's going to happen. Maybe in Fayetteville, but not here. All right, uh, let's get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, see what people have to say. One of our listeners says, uh, everyone wants to see the plant, the plant flag. How about handlebar mustache Baker? Why not both? Problem Did is, he have the handlebar mustache no, because when he planted the flag? The, the handlebar look was always for Bedlam because he was the new sheriff. The sh- the, he okay, was going to yeah, show yeah. people who was sheriff, right? So, I mean, I guess you could do that. It wouldn't be a realistic depiction of what happened in the horseshoe that night. But uh, anyway, what's that about Steel Man? Wouldn't Uncle say screw it, throw the checkbook at all the best team money? Definitely Uncle would definitely say that, no doubt. But he doesn't have any money. He's been uh, he's been on a fixed income for a while, so I wouldn't talk to talk about him as we a haven't money heard manager. from him in so long. He uh, again, he was trying to walk on at Rice so he could run out with the Owls in their opener against uh, USC out in LA. So he's trying to get preferred walk on status there. All right, uh, talk a little college basketball over the weekend. Uh, did you watch any of the Coach K collapse against Carolina how about that man your last game at Cameron and you lose to Carolina wow that's not the way you want to go like (laughs) that's about as unceremonious as you could have scripted it honestly that's like losing to your most bitter rival in your final home game it would be like I don't know um Bud Wilkinson or Barry Switzer or Bob Stoops in their last game losing to Oklahoma State in Bedlam in their very last home or game. It would have been, or uh, it would have been like Bob Stoops getting trounced by Oregon in the Alamo Bowl in December. Yeah, and uh, Coach K handled it uh, pretty well afterwards, didn't he? Here's Coach K after, after the loss. This isn't part of the program. This is impromptu by me. I'm sorry about this afternoon. That No, please, no. Please, everyone be quiet. Let me just say, 
It's unacceptable. Today was unacceptable, but the season has been very acceptable. And, uh, and I'll tell you, the season isn't over, all right? It's not over yet. Uh, Duke will have a chance to win a national championship. They've had a good squad. But, man, Carolina, they don't have much of a bench. But, man, all of those starters played well. And how about Brady Manick with 20 points, 11 rebounds on five threes, one of the big threes late in the game that almost pretty much sealed it for North Carolina right there at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Uh, this audio is a little bit shaky, but this was Brady Manick meeting with the uh, Carolina media afterwards talking about the big win. Hubert said that he wanted guys to feel like North Carolina basketball players, to have a North Carolina experience. Was this a high-level North Carolina experience for you? This is, this is the North Carolina experience I, I came to school to do. Uh, it's an experience I wanted to be a part of. This game is... Uh, one of the best, I've, the best game I've ever been a part of. It was so special to me. Got to experience with my dad, my uncle, my aunt, one of my best friends. So it's just unbelievable. What was the celebration like on the court after that win? Uh, electric. So his mom, dad, one of his best friends, his aunt was there. And uh, I would say that these transfer situations for Sooner players, speaking of the ACC, Alonis Williams, Wake Forest, League player of the year. My goodness. Cam Mcgusty, first team. And then you got Brady Manick becoming a major uh, factor for North Carolina. <laughs> imagine, imagine if the transfer portal didn't exist, Mike. Oklahoma would have a freaking Titan this season. I mean, who would have thought? I, Alondis Williams had some moments where you thought, man, that was an athletic move right there. But... He didn't play a lot, and certainly not a lot down the stretch. But for him to go to Wake Forest and be the Atlantic Coast Conference Player of the Year, I don't care if the ACC's down or not. That's big time. What do you think preseason odds for Alondis oh Williams to God. win ACC Player of the Year were? A <laughs> hundred to one, maybe fifty a, to one, a thousand to one. Yeah, it's and then for Cam Augusty at Miami also to make first team. Uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Good for Brady Manick. That's got to be a cool deal, man, because he gets to play from Hera, comes to play at Oklahoma, had a good, uh, solid career at Oklahoma, and then to hit the transfer portal after Lon Kruger left and to go to North Carolina. I mean, basketball's religion there. And to be a major factor for the Tar Heels and Hubert Davis's first year, that's big time for Brady Manick to get that done. So Coach K, by the way, I, look, you can't argue the resume, but let's face it, Mike Krzyzewski's a jerk a lot of the time, right? Berating student reporters, you know, basically telling the crowd to shut up. Okay, we knew he was upset. What cracks me up or what um, what I shake my head at with Coach K is if, you ever, if you're as old as me and you're a big college basketball fan, you undoubtedly read the, uh, the uh, classic John Feinstein book, season on the brink about that year on Indiana basketball. And one of the things that crushed Mike Krzyzewski, uh, who would have been, what, about six, seven years into his career? Well, it would have been later. This was reported later when they met in the Final Four that Bob Knights basically uh, stiffed him in the postgame handshake and then uh, 
Shashevsky, after his team beat Indiana in the Final Four, also went back, tried to you know find Knight afterwards, and Bob Knight's nowhere to be seen. And Bob Knight has written a nasty letter to Mike Shashevsky. In the story, it was kind of an addendum to the season on the brink. It was that Mike Shashevsky was crushed by this because he played for Bob Knight at West Point and you know looked up so much to Bobby Knight's. And, you know, the story was that Krzyzewski was in tears because he couldn't believe that Knight had done that to him. And basically he had told his wife, Mickey, why does Knight have to be such a, you know. Well, we're seeing some of that from Mike Krzyzewski too, right? And if you read the uh, Wyatt Thompson piece in uh, on ESPN last week, which, you know, he's Mr. Longform, so get ready for a 20-minute read or so. But it's really good. Um, look, you can't argue. LeBron has said one of his favorite coaches to play for. Uh, the resume speaks for itself. But there have been some moments, I don't know, I didn't like berating the student reporters. You know, he's done that a couple times. Mm, I, and- I don't know that I would have called that berating. I've been a student reporter. And from my perspective, there was there was some fault on both sides there. Yeah, I maybe you're right. I, I don't know. I just... I've seen him at times when he's challenged react where he's one of those guys that doesn't have thick skin, you know. And look, Bob Knight was like that. I mean, you think that Knight could explode on you. Remember the dude who he chastised at the uh, NCAA? No, you're the dude who effed it up. No, you just shut. You know, and then Knight went into his press conference. But I don't know. How do I feel about Coach K? A lot of respect for what he's done. Uh, besides John Wooden, you know, you can argue he's the greatest coach in uh, in uh, college basketball history. And look, you can talk about, well, John Wooden, you know, uh, was totally pure in what they did out at UCLA. No, 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 no. They had, they, they had, uh, who's the alum out there that was helping, you know, finance jobs for the players? Sam something. I can't, I'm, I'm losing his name right now. But, there was a little bit, as as much as I appreciate John Wooden, I think he's a great teacher, there was uh, there was some stuff happening at UCLA, too. But that's that's an awesome moment for Brady Manick to make one of the biggest threes in the game down the stretch. But I, I'm just stupefied, again, by this stuff like Alondis Williams winning ACC Player of the Year. I mean, we've known for a while that Alondis Williams is having a great year, so it's not a real shock. But if you would have told any Sooner fan, yeah, he's going to Wake Forest, he's going to be the, the league player of the year, they would have said, what? Really? I mean, we saw some flashes, but I, that's that's taking it a little bit too far. So, all right, want to hear from you on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Thanks to our second-hour sponsor, the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a vehicle from Seth Wadley and that great guarantee oil changes, engines, for life at no additional cost to you. That's a heck of a deal right there. Coming right back, we'll talk some more Sooner football next. All right, welcome back. Monday. How we doing? That song is definitely not about me because I am way out of shape. Now, I maybe, I don't know, maybe eight pounds overweight, but I can tell you the diet is not good. This is not chiseled. Right now, this body is not. It's it's made by a hostess. Yeah, I have signed an NIL deal with Hostess. Really? Yes. Hostess won out over Little Debbie? Uh, yes, absolutely. Little Debbie is a uh, not a Power 5 uh, conference team. Hostess is a Power 5. And, uh, man, they 
sugar consumption every day, I, I'm still way too much of it. So, But, you know, YOLO, I guess. I don't know. I'm not very smart, but that's who I would have my NIL deal with right now, I think. How about you? Ooh, that's a good question. Like a tire company or something? A since tire all company. <laughs> BF Goodrich. Oh man, there's got to be there's got a real there's got to be a real obvious answer here. I hate to go with a restaurant because that that almost seems like a cop out. I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, on the on the subject of vehicles, I'd probably be sponsored by Take Five as much time as I spend there. There you go. Yeah, you probably have to get your oil changed a lot, right? Yeah, quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, once a month or so. So anyway, all right, that, that's a good question for the tax line, just a crazy question today. Uh, if you had an NIL sponsor, what would it be? I mean, think about what defines you right now. Food, something like that. Um, I don't know, maybe Hostess. I'd have like the Twinkie Kid as a patch. Is the Twinkie Kid still around? All right. By the way, uh, we can get to the text line real quick, ladies and gentlemen, uh, 405-651-3439. Then I want to play a couple uh, clips from uh, Brent Venables. He was on uh, with uh, Teddy and Gabe Eichert in the Oklahoma Breakdown. Really good podcast. Oh, those guys do a great job. And uh, Brent was on the other day and had some interesting uh, stuff to say. One listener says via the text line, no way they will do the flag plant on Baker's statue. It will be of him in passing form or the Heisman pose. Hmm. Another listener asks, does Baker get to choose what depiction he wants? Probably I don't know. I, I, that's a great question. That is a good question. I'd, I'd, I don't know either, but I would imagine if it was up to Baker, he'd probably pick the flag plant, right? Yes. Baker did say, quote, I'm a Sooner for life and incredibly grateful for all the success my teammates and I had at OU. It's humbling and surreal to think about having a statue in iconic Heisman Park. I can't wait to be back in Norman and reunite with the most passionate fans in college football. There you go. That's a good question. I don't know. Has I, he been back to Norman since um, – when was the last – I don't know if he's been back. I can't think of a time, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I don't know if he's made another appearance in Norman since he graduated. If we're wrong, they're going to let us know on the text line. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. All right, so we were talking about uh, the weekend it was recruiting-wise. No commitment yet for Oklahoma. You and Tyler set the over and under on locked in last week at two and a half, and so far we're going way under. Uh, and, again, that doesn't mean, well, man, what what happened? <laughs> what what? Why are there no commitments? Where is the lock emoji? I haven't seen anything. You want to explain why this isn't a big deal, Parker, if there's anybody out there freaking out because they haven't seen, you know, somebody uh, tweeting out, you know, fully committed to Oklahoma or whatever. Why is this right now not a big deal, not even to have one commitment out there after this weekend? Why is it not a big deal? Yes. Well, because, look, the reality is you're not going to get – a wave of commitments in the month of March, particularly if you employ the strategy that Oklahoma is going to employ under Brent Venables, which is you commit, you're done vi taking visits. A lot of these guys haven't had the chance to take many or any visits thus far. So it is encouraging that this particular group of players made the decision to make Oklahoma their first stop coming out of a dead period. But I, I would have been content, I think, if Oklahoma had gotten as – even just one commitment this past week. I was a bit surprised they came up completely empty, but I also think based on the conversations I've had with the amount of progress that they made and the amount of, the amount of momentum that they garnered, 
with some of these other players uh, that were on visits and some of these guys that either were already favoring OU or if you want to take an example of a guy like Miles McVay, the four-star offensive lineman out of East St. Louis that weren't previously seriously considering OU but that had a very, very strong impression of the campus and are now uh, put to potentially targeting Oklahoma for an official visit. I think when you consider all of those ancillary factors, to me, this weekend is still a win. And I don't think the fact that they came up dry on commitments overrides that reality. Yeah, and, and you might be able to pressure kids into committing, but if that commitment is not solid and two weeks before signing day or two weeks after that kid commits and he decommits, it doesn't matter, man. It's all about how it unfolds after signing day, what the class looks like. So uh, the Sooners, again, as you said, getting a lot of early visits uh, and are playing the long game. All right, Brent was on the Oklahoma Breakdown uh, podcast uh, with Teddy and Gabe Eichert. They do a tremendous job. I'm sure Sooner fans, you've seen that. You know what it's all about. It's good stuff. Both those guys, obviously, really good players at Oklahoma, plugged into the program. They know what's going on. They've been there, done that. Uh, they asked Brent, again, if he will be making the defensive calls on game day. Here's what Brent said. Uh, I don't have the intentions to call it, um, but, you know, both sides of the ball will be, you know, very involved and empower the coaches, but. You know, we have a, a system and a philosophy that, that we, we, we believe in on defense. And you know, I've hired coaches that know that system, that understand that philosophy, and I think will do a great job, um, but always have a, you know, a, some part in it too. When's the last time you didn't call it? That's going to be a change. That's going to be tough. I, I don't <laughs> picture you just standing there and being like, yeah, I'm not going to be involved in this. That's going to be difficult. No, you know, I just, I, you know, I believe in the preparation, you know, the preparation. That's that's where, you know, game day should be a lot easier, you know. And uh, so we got to do a great job from a preparation standpoint. I love practice. I love I love creating more strain and practice than could ever happen in a game. I believe in that. And, uh, and, uh, and our guys will be prepared to play at a high level. And, again, our coaches will be prepared to, to coach them at a high level on game day. There you go. Is is that a surprise to you at all? I mean, uh, guess what? Brent has a headset, and maybe if he doesn't like the call, uh, he's the head coach. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't think that's going to be a big issue. Uh, the clip I like a little bit better, uh, you know, when they were talking about that, Teddy was laughing about, you know, Brent and the reputation for having the hold-me-back guy. And uh, Teddy asked him if that's going to continue. Here's how that went. I know you'll yeah. be on the headset, but – you still you know, gonna I'm, need a get back guy? I mean, I didn't need him. Okay, first of all, <laughs> all right, I didn't need him. I, I've never had a penalty, never, never once. So how many years? I don't know how many years. Never had a penalty. So, you know, that is what it is. And uh, maybe it was because of the get back guy. Was you know he did a, a great job. I don't know, but but here's what I know: is I don't need one. <laughs> I'll be just fine. There you go. So uh, Brent says he'll be fine. He can get a little fiery over there. There's no doubt about it. Oh, this is a great question somebody asked on Twitter. For Baker's ceremony, will Lincoln Riley be there? Will Muleshoe be? Oh, zero chance. Really? You think there's zero? There is zero chance. Hmm. 
Is that from Muleshoe? Is that from OU? Is that just they think it would be a, it would overshadow the events? Why do you say there's zero chance? Uh, but, I don't think he will either. But <laughs> Mike, like, there's no good that can come from that. Legitimately, there is no good because a yes, it overshadows Baker's statue unveiling. Yes, right. Because all anyone wants is, is going to want to talk about is the fact that oh, here comes Muleshoe back to town after he. Ditched Oklahoma and ran off to Southern California. Muleshoe will send out a statement or something is what's going to happen and uh, turn off the comments. But, that I, you know, I didn't think about that. And I'm with you. I don't know if you're going to stay at 0%. 0%. Yeah, it's still way – the world is still wide open, man. 0%. If this happened like two years later, maybe, maybe, but right now – Muleshoe would have to come to that event in, like, the Pope Mobile. Yeah, there's there's way too much vitriol right now from the fan base. And it's a sideshow. It is. Even if you don't want it to be, and even if you don't even acknowledge that Muleshoe is there and you keep the sole focus on Mayfield, guess yeah. what? It's still going to be a sideshow. Well, and that's all you, OU has to say, too. And first of all, nobody's going to care if he's there or not, but that would overshadow an event that is to honor Baker Mayfield. So, and somebody else said in the text line, I, I think you're right. He's saying zero chance. Yeah. I, like I said, maybe if this is 2025 or something down the road, maybe, but that wound right now, man, it hasn't, uh, uh, it hasn't healed at all. I mean, some of you fans still have a, little, a bandage maybe on it a little bit. My my wound is, you know, uh, I'm trying to take the steps to get there, you know, but no. I would be shocked if Muleshoe ever sets foot on the campus of the university Good. again. Like, I would be, just because <laughs> I don't see how he can. Like, if I were in his place – and I understood the way that that fan base and that state felt about me, I would be terrified to go back. I would straight up be terrified. I'm the, I'd be I like, I'm about to get back, shanked or something. I don't think you should be back here for any event ever. Uh, not not the way the action went down. Uh, off the text line, if Muleshoe shows up, the crowd can chant, we want Brent's. Can you imagine if that happened? Like if Muleshoe, if they, I feel like they come up with something much more clever and much more vulgar to chant. Oh, no doubt, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know, but it's going to be very. Like I said, you're going zero chance, and you know what? I think you're probably right. I wouldn't even give it at this time, like even close to a one percent chance. I think you're right. The more I think about it, number one. You're not going to take away from Baker's moment, and that would completely overshadow. The story would be Lincoln Riley returns exactly for Baker Mayfield's statue dedication. But the bold headline, the headline would, would be would Lincoln, say Lincoln Riley returns, and the sub headline would be Baker. Yes. So no, that's not right. what you want. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Great, great place to go get a great deal on a vehicle and service after the sale with a great guarantee, oil changes, and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel. That's a heck of a deal right there. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, get more text in, and the Sooner Lady softball team, what a dynasty they are, with Jocelyn Allo sitting on history 
in a four o'clock matchup with uh, Minnesota today. We'll talk about that here from Batty Gasso next. Oh, yes. The entire Sooner women's softball team is uh, dynamite with a laser beam or bat in hand or glove, whatever. I mean, they've got literally everything. They're 15 and 0. They have run ruled 10 and 15 opponents playing Minnesota today. Home opener, 4 o'clock, Marita Hines Field. And the Queen of Norman, uh, Patty Gasso, uh, will, of course, wait to see if Jocelyn Allo makes history today. Still stuck on 95 career home runs. Uh, can be the all-time NCAA career uh, women's softball home run leader with 96. Could happen today against Minnesota. Would you rather see it happen in front of the home fans of Minnesota, or do you think it would be cooler if she did it when they go to the Rainbow Classic in her native Hawaii Ooh, this I think week? that would be way cooler. I think that would be way cooler. Now, I don't think it takes her that long. Well, then again, I, I said it wasn't going to take her till the end of the tournament that they were in last week to hit the home run, and it, it didn't happen. So who knows? At this rate, maybe she's still looking for number 96 in Hawaii, but I do think that would be awesome for her to go home and hit the uh, hit the record-breaking homer there. Yeah, either way, um, you know, I, I do think it would be cool to do it, uh, you know, in front of her family and friends out in Hawaii. But if it happens today, that's going to be cool as well, and it's uh, eventually going to happen. And uh, Patty Gasso and the Sooner women again playing a home opener 4 o'clock today against Minnesota. I think that's going to be tape delayed on Bally Sports Oklahoma. Uh, Chris Plank does such an incredible job. He threw out, he was doing his research, man. He was doing a deep dive and figuring out the all-time home run king. College baseball was none other than Pete Cavilia with 100, former Oklahoma State Cowboy. That Those Oklahoma State teams were, <laughs> they, they were bullies, man, particularly at the plate. Uh, Gary Ward, I always thought, should have won a national championship, just like I thought Billy Tubbs should have won a national championship. But, um... So she theoretically will go by him as well, uh, which is kind of a cool number. Totally different sport, I get it, but it's kind of cool to see what uh, the numbers are like. And uh, I think Jeff Ledbetter of Florida State was close to catching in Cabilia. Maybe he had like 97 or 98 for his career back in the day. But um, Chris Plank, uh, you know, coming up with that stat. And, you know, in Cabilia, Robin Ventura, those Oklahoma State teams were just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And Enos Seymour had some pretty good teams back in the day, too. And uh, was it in Cabilla? I think he hit a home run at All Sports Stadium. I think, if I remember right, it was off Jack Armstrong, who is a really good All-American pitcher for Oklahoma, who actually started in the All-Star game for the Cincinnati Reds one year. And in Cabilla, he was just a monster, a total monster. All right, but Patty Gasso and the Sooners again so far, 15-0. and Taking on Minnesota today, they just, uh, you know, they had last week off. They came back from the Mary Nutter Classic where they won every game out there, but they were challenged in a couple of those games, uh, particularly that Tennessee game when Jada Coleman had the big two-run homer to win that one in extra innings. And uh, Patty was glad the Sooners won all five games, but also glad that uh, her squad faced some challenges too. Very pleased to see the fight of the team. Uh, we need, we need adversity. We, it, look. Games that we run rule teams does not help us, not at all. Um, it, it's a feel good for everybody, but it just isn't ultimately in the long run. It's not great for us. We we don't play seven innings. We don't get enough pitchers, their reps. 
So you're seeing our pitchers going seven innings, seven, eight, nine, ten innings. They haven't been pushed like that since they've been here. So it was good to see them get through that um, pitching-wise. Pitching-wise, they threw fantastic. And I think everyone's like, wow, you haven't given up a run. Well, we're, we're playing now an elevated schedule. So you can't shut down. Arizona, Tennessee, and UCLA every time you play them. I mean, you're going to get some fight back because there's good athletes. I'm trying to think where the Women's College World Series and uh, even the regionals to a certain extent, but that ranks on my list of most anticipated events of the year. Probably the uh, the first game of the college football season, Oklahoma's home opener. Uh, then I would probably go uh, the Masters. That, that week, um, NCAA tournament, opening day for uh, the NCAA tournament with all those games. And then after that, it might just be the Women's College World Series. What about you? Well, to me, like, I, you know, I grew up in Omaha. So the Men's College World Series was quite literally in my backyard. So to me, that's always the, uh, the summer event on the diamond that I anticipate the most. Uh, the all-star game and the MLB really doesn't do it for me anymore. Uh, that's just because I don't like any of the all-star games, really. The all-star games in general have become almost unwatchable to me. NBA all-star weekend used to be a ton of fun. Yeah, I agree. The, to me, the biggest joke is the pro bowl. I mean, well, oh my goodness, I we, mean, we the, could go on for the next hour. The about defense the pro bowl. and the pro bowl. There is no defense. I mean, I don't know if you remember the old New York Live football commercials way back when. You can find them on YouTube, but some of the worst acting ever. You would have like players <laughs> just diving, and it looks so ridiculous. That's what the pro bowl looks like. It's ridiculous. But would you put the women's college world series somewhere in your top six or seven events of the year? Top ten. I would say top ten. Yeah, yeah, probably not top six or seven. I, I like man. I get super fired up for it. And uh, Patty Gasso is a legend. Speaking of statues, <sighs> I think there's one already of Patty that they just have somewhere. Want to make sure that guy driving the pickup with a stoop statue doesn't get anywhere near it. Oh, it is not tape delayed. Okay, I had heard it was going to be tape delayed, so that's new information. Uh, Tebow is so arrogant he would come. Wow. What do you think about that? Yeah, so we're, we're back to the text line yeah. here. One of the listeners says, yes, uh, Muleshoe has been banished for life and thereafter from the OU kingdom. OU Knight Steelman needs to enforce this through the OU football realm. Now, look, look, that doesn't even need to be enforced. Like, if, if there was ever a pixelated photo that circulated of mule shoe purportedly sitting at the Starbucks on Boyd and Asp, there would be OU football fans flocking within minutes to crucify him and burn him in effigy. It would not be pretty. No. No, it would not. What do you think uh, 10 years from now down the road? I, I, I don't... I don't know if those wounds are going to be healed, Mike. I really don't. Like I'm telling you, there's some people that it's never going to heal. Hey, you're one uh, of them. Yeah, I'm. I'm in that boat right now. I am. I am super petty on this deal. But really this, to petty. me, like the unprecedented nature of his departure, and just the reality that nobody has done Oklahoma quite like Muleshoe did Oklahoma. 
that makes me believe that it's going to be decades at the earliest before he is ever welcome back in the state of Oklahoma. I agree. I concur. All right. Uh, again, if you want to hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, feel free to do it. We would love to hear from you. 405-651-3439. Don't forget about our big 68-team giveaway coming up next Monday, noon to 7, Buffalo Wild Wings on the I-35 Service Road in Moore. Come on out and meet all of the guys here. Register for a drawing to have a chance to get one of those 68 teams, win some amazing March Madness prizes. From Central Oklahoma, Buick, GMC, JR's Barbecue, Extreme Outdoor Equipment, Buffalo Wild Wings, and more. We're going to have a good time next Monday with a 68-team giveaway. And we're coming right back. Some final thoughts up next. we got to get some Tom Petty in, right? Have to. It's a necessity. Would this be your uh, go-to album if you had to go with one? Uh, Damn the Torpedoes? Uh... I'm probably partial to Full Moon Fever. That's a good one, too. There are so many good songs on Uh, that album. I think how many Petty albums do I have on vinyl now? Quite a few. Almost all of them, I think. Oh, Tom Petty. He loved those Rickenbacker uh, guitars, too, didn't he? Those are cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our friends at Riverwind Casino. Somebody said the other day, texted me, Steely, you seem to be in love with Riverwind Casino. I am. Are you sorry that you can't be out there every single day to do the stream? And I said, yes, but love means never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> Wait a minute. You know that reference? Uh, no, it's just uh, I, the saying made me laugh. But what's, what is the reference? Uh, that was the movie Love Story. Ryan O'Neill and uh, Ally McGraw. Uh, way too old a reference lost on younger listeners. Yes, but, okay, well, I fall in that category, so. All right, uh, but Riverwind right now, what I love about Riverwind is, man, well, everything, but their promotions are always so creative. $80,000 courtside cash. You can get out there and play with your wild card today and tomorrow until midnight and uh, earn five times the entries for the drawing on Friday night from 6 to 11.30 when they draw out three patrons' names. Every half hour, you could hear your name called. Get out there and increase your odds of moving up in the lottery, kind of like the Thunder wants to do. Get more ping pong balls. It's the equivalent of that, getting out there and playing with your wild card today and tomorrow until midnight. $80,000 courtside cash drawing is Friday night. They also have the $80,000 land into luxury promotion beginning March 13th. Uh, And then the drawing on March 26th. By the way, you need to play for that promotion on Thursday and Sunday to get 10 times the entries for that drawing. On March 26th, they'll draw out for all the cash and bonus play, and somebody's going to win a brand-new 2022 Cadillac XT5. They had the $15,000 St. Patrick's payout, the $10,000 March Blackjack Madness, the gold coin giveaway on March 17th. Uh, win a share of five thousand dollars in that great promotion. They're just they're just tremendous. Uh, what they do with their marketing promotions team out there. Plus the restaurants are great, the service, everything. So yes, I am in love with Riverwind Casino. You're right. Okay. Um, how about the OU women's gymnastics team? We mentioned that a little bit during the first segment. That was nice for KJ Kindler and company. They take down number one Michigan. Uh, at the LNC on Friday nights, and uh, that's that's huge for OU to win that matchup. Uh, there was a really good crowd out there too, and that was on ESPN too. I Friday tell you night. what, Mike, people show up for OU women's gymnastics. 
They do. They do, and they usually are very pleased with what they see. They're well-coached, and uh, K.J. Kindler has done an unbelievable job. Mark Williams, obviously. The gymnastics program at Oklahoma has been lights out, too, for a long time, obviously. Uh, so the women's softball team, home opener coming up in about two hours, a little over two hours. Marina Hinesfield, 4 o'clock against Minnesota. The Sooners looking to go 16-0. and And will Jocelyn Allo hit the career home run record shot today in Norman? Or will it happen this weekend when they go to Hawaii for the Rainbow Classic? We'll have to wait and see. Um, how about Oklahoma State, by the way, beating Tech over the weekend? 52-51, and Oklahoma State finishes the season at 15-15. and And what, what an unusual year for OSU. Very unusual. And as we talked about earlier, if you didn't know, now you do know, Alanis Williams, former Sooner player, uh, ACC Player of the Year, and joining him on the first team in the ACC, Cam McGusty, who is also at Oklahoma. You could argue that the all OU transfer team right now. Did Brady Manick make give, one of the three teams? We need to check that, maybe. I would imagine he did, yeah. But you can At imagine least. that if you put all the OU transfers across the country on a team together, they might be able to beat the actual Oklahoma basketball team. <sighs> Man, that that's crazy. And again, there were some moments when Alondis Williams made some plays. You're like, man, that was big time. But they were they didn't happen a, a lot. I mean, you you always thought he had some talent, right? But for this, I, this I didn't anticipate. And that's good for him, man. Good for him. And Brady Manick making a big three. He had five of them in the win at uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium in Durham on Saturday. And Coach K, I'm kind of happy that Coach K lost that game. I don't know. Some, there's something about him later in his life. Uh, he's a grumpy old man, and you know I'm a grumpy old man too. Yeah, so I, I should I be, able to, you should be able to sympathize. I should Mike. be able to relate, but man, I just there's he just rubs me the wrong way. Rubs me the wrong way, and but good for Brady Manic, man. You know Brady Manic has his own merch. I saw he he tweeted that out before the season. You should go get some Manic merch. I mean, I I don't know why I would have. Any any reason to purchase Brady Manic merch, but hey, if if listeners out there want to support Prairie Larry now that he's a Tar Heel, by all means, yeah. You know the one place I would like to go see a game at Cameron Indoor, but yeah, that's kind of bucket list material. Yeah, it is. It? Looks like it'd be cool. Right? I still haven't been to the Fog, man. I've been in the Fog, but I've never been at a game in the this, Fog, which is really weird. This spring. I guess, yeah, last month, I guess not technically the spring, but regardless, last month was supposed to be my first trip to the fog, and then my old college roommate decided to get engaged that weekend. What? Oh, my God. Had to drive down and attend the party instead of going to the fog. Thankfully, she said yes. Otherwise, I would have had major beef. By the way, the uh, April 23rd, the day for the Sooner Spring game, and that day also the Baker Mayfield statue dedication, just another. Fantastic move by the Sooners' new coach, Brent Venables, and the administration over there. You don't have the spring game compete with Augusta National. So it'll be two weeks after Augusta. We're a month away from Augusta, by the way. Uh, Interesting, uh, this week we do have the Players' Championship. That'll be the end of the Florida Swing, and that means uh, off to 
Texas for the match play and the Valero Texas Open, and then eventually to Augusta. We are a month away from the Masters, which is awesome. All right, we've got Locked In coming up with Parker and Tyler McComas. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group for sponsoring our second hour. Appreciate you guys and everybody who listened in today. We'll see you tomorrow.